Today's episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He oh, 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 he's the Welcome everyone to the Republic of Football. I'm your host, Shahan J. Raja, the college football insider at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find all of our work at TexasFootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTFCFB. You can become a subscriber at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. And I'll tell you what, now is the perfect time to become a subscriber. One, because we have our copy of the summer edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football on bookshelves now. And you get a copy mailed directly to you if you become a subscriber. But the other side of it is, we have a lot of premium content up this week. Because, uh, you might have heard, some stuff has happened (laughs) in college football this week. Uh, listen, we don't have Mallory this week, we don't have Ishmael this week, it's just gonna be me, it's gonna be a quicker show. Uh, but I had to get something out, as you guys can imagine, because it has been such a wild week. Texan Oklahoma, over the weekend and on Monday... They officially decide that they are going to leave the Big 12 at the end of the grant of rights after the 2024-2025 school year, and that clears the way for them to officially join the Southeastern Conference. Now, at this point, Texas and Oklahoma have decided to uh, to petition the SEC for invites, basically. That's how this process works. First, Texas and Oklahoma have to go and say that they're going to leave the Big 12. Then the SEC can go and deliberate. Texas and Oklahoma can ask the SEC for invites. That could come as soon as this week. Listen, I'm recording this at 11.46 a.m. on Tuesday, July 27th. By the time that this comes out, everything could have changed. But that's the information as we have it right now. Uh, and so what that means is that by the time we get to the end of the week, we could be looking at Texas and Oklahoma as future SEC members. Now, I want to be very clear about what that means. What that does not mean is that when Texas goes and travels to play Arkansas over in uh, week two, I think it is, in Fayetteville, that's not going to suddenly become an SEC conference game. That's not how this works. The way that it works, and people who watch Texas A&M go through this back in 2011 might remember a little bit, First, the SEC will vote, and they need a 75% member vote in order to admit these schools. That's not expected to be a problem. Texas A&M will likely uh, vote against, but everybody kind of knows that it's happening. It's inevitable. And so what that ends up meaning is that once they get to 11 votes, they can officially extend invites to Texas and Oklahoma to join the SEC, creating, of course, the first college football super conference, and really a college football super conference that likely can never be matched. I I don't know if anybody uh, can make a conference like that. Certainly the SEC was already lapping the rest of the field before this, but really when you get to a point where not only do you have these 14 SEC schools, many of the top brands of the country in Alabama, Texas A&M, LSU, Georgia, Florida, you add Texas and Oklahoma. I mean, nobody, nobody can compete with that. I, I had a friend compare it to an arms race to me and guess what? The Cold War's over. America won. (laughs) In this case, America is the SEC and everybody else is the USSR. It's over, right? And so certainly I think we're going to see some realignment with everybody else. There's eight still remaining Big 12 members that are going to have a lot to figure out. The Pac-12 is going to try to figure out whether they can insert themselves. The Big 10 certainly will try and see if there are any moves that they can make to make themselves more competitive long term. But when it comes into the next round of 
TV contracts when it comes to the next round of playoff expansion, the SEC is going to be at the, the at the forefront of it. Nobody else is really going to have as equal a voice as the SEC will have. And certainly one part of this is you do unify all these giant brands under one conference umbrella, but also under one television deal. And there's no telling how that, from a monetary perspective long term, is going to potentially shift the sport. You know, we've already seen some estimates that the SEC could potentially have TV contracts that are pushing 70 to $80 million. And that's well more than obviously any of the other Power 5 conferences at this time, including what the SEC has distributed to this point. So uh, going into this, Let's go ahead and answer a couple of questions. I, I put out a call on Twitter, so I'll try to I'll try to circle back to as many of them as I can. Uh, one from Hunter Cook, my good friend. Should the remaining eight Big 12 schools accept their fate and sign AAC other contracts as soon as possible or attempt to poach notable schools from Group of Five conferences? So from my perspective, I wrote about this last week on TextFootball.com. I think that if you're the Big 12 and you are the remaining eight schools, you cannot assume anything. You cannot assume that things are going to be okay for you, that you're just going to land in another conference. I think at least short term, you need to be aggressive. You need to look at trying to swipe the top half of the AAC. And that means looking at schools like SMU, Houston, Memphis, Cincinnati, UCF, maybe South Florida, maybe App State, maybe Boise State, maybe BYU. There's a lot of options out there, many of whom have been very competitive in just the past few years. And from my perspective, what you're able to do if you do that is you go and you cement yourself as still being a top five conference. It's not a top five conference on the level of the SEC because there isn't another conference on the level of the SEC. Now it's over. There, there's no more fights to be had about which conference is the strongest. It's the SEC. Okay, get over it. But what that does allow you to do is cement your spot as one of the top five conferences. It allows you at least in the short term to keep your autonomous status versus, say, merging with the AAC and listen, would a league with those eight teams plus four more of the others be competitive with the Pac-12? I, I think absolutely. Would they be competitive with the ACC? I mean, the ACC has Clemson, who's a national title team, but there's no other schools in that conference that I feel like you have to really, really you know, lag behind, I guess you say. I mean, Florida State is certainly a team that, when they are rolling, can be national title caliber, but like cool <laughs> you know same with Miami we, we haven't really seen it in a long time so certainly I think that that kind of conference would be uh you know would make a lot of sense now if you are the Texas schools I think that maybe one thing you try to pitch to the Pac-12 is creating a pod down in Texas where it's the three Texas schools maybe at Houston maybe at Oklahoma State and say this is our central time bureau and we all play each other every year and can develop you know, our own sort of identity, but still come back to the Pac-12. And this, you know, this gives them some ability to be present in central time, which would be huge for them. But I don't know if that's what they want. I don't know if they feel like these schools will be able to generate potentially $100 million more in, in revenue, which is probably the minimum of what you need, need to be able to develop uh, in order for this to be worth to the Pac-12. So it'll be interesting to see. This is from Sam Mills. How does this change blue chip recruiting for Texas and Oklahoma in the short term? They'll obviously pull talent like they always have, but are recruits more likely to look at current SEC teams and or the big ACC and Pac-12? So Texas and Oklahoma are functioning with an advantage. They always have. They are Texas and Oklahoma. There's a reason that they keep pulling in top five classes, even for Texas's case, when, uh, when they're not good. And going to the ACC, oh, sorry, going to the SEC rather, especially for Oklahoma though, I think is a game changer. I think one thing that they've heard a lot on the recruiting trail is, listen, Oklahoma, you're a great program. You've played in the college football playoff many, many times, but are you really a contender? 
Are you really going to put me in the NFL? Are you really going to develop me on defense? Is the Big 12 really a place where that can happen? And going to the SEC solves a lot of those questions. I, I think it makes Oklahoma's pitch to recruits much more competitive, especially ones coming from uh, Texas and obviously the entire Southeast. And I think that that's their hope, is that it positions them long-term as one of those schools that recruits at that elite super max level, right? Right now we have Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, uh, you know, LSU to some extent, and Oklahoma hasn't really been in that conversation. So the question is, can they get there? I think that that's going to be a big part of it. For Texas, you know, who knows? I, I think that a bigger part of it is probably going to be Texas trying to cut the legs out from underneath Texas a and Will that happen? It's hard to say. I mean, Texas A&M has a lot more success to sell over the past 10 years, and God bless Steve Sarkeesian, and I think he'll be successful at Texas, but he's not Jimbo Fisher. You know, you still have Jimbo Fisher walking into your living room and dropping the national title ring that he won as a head coach on the table. That, that's still an advantage that Texas A&M is going to have in recruiting. So I don't expect that it's going to impact Texas a ton because they have recruited well the past couple of years. Oklahoma, I think maybe it helps take them from a top eight team to more of a top four team. Clark Griswold asks, how far does the ripple effect go on this? Do we know? Can we guess? <laughs> That's a great question. And one thing that I'll point to is when realignment happened back in 2012, we did see it affected every conference. The Mountain West split apart, the WAC split apart, they dropped football and just now brought it back. The Big East fell apart. And that's oftentimes what happens because of you know, just what you said, because there is a ripple effect, because when the SEC grabs a team, then somebody else grabs a team and somebody else grabs a team and so on and so forth. And I think that one thing that's going to really decide this is what the Big 12 decides to do, because there certainly is a world where the Pac-12 just grabs four of the teams where the Big 10 grabs two of the teams and maybe the AC grabs the rest. And that's kind of it, where everybody just kind of expands and doesn't pull from elsewhere. Now, if the Big 12 is aggressive, like I've kind of proposed, and goes after the top of the AAC, then I think that's a different conversation, right? Then I think, okay, well, the AAC, if they lose four of their top brands to the Big 12, then all of a sudden they're needing to pull from the Sun Belt, or they're needing to pull from the Mountain West. And then the Mountain West needs to pull from somewhere. And then teams maybe start moving up to the FBS level. Obviously, it's been rumored for the WAC for a while. So I think that that's going to be a big part of it, is... If the Big 12 decides to be aggressive, it's going to change the realignment picture, not just for them, but I think for every conference all the way down to Division 2 and maybe even into Division 3. So that is one of the interesting things about college football is that everybody is so interconnected. And I think it's one of the things that makes it a lot of fun. Let's see. Uh, from Susie Allred, if the Big 12 stays whole and adds additional members, do they still have to stay around for the three remaining years and pay the sa same penalty? At this point, what it looks like, if the eight teams decide to stay and maintain their grant of rights through the 2024-2025 season, that means that Texas and Oklahoma are on the hook for any payments. And what the penalty would be right now is for every year that you duck out early, you'd have to pay the money that you would have received from the Big 12 as a fine. So what that means is if you go to the SEC, let's say, at, starting with the 2023 season, you'd have to pay for 23 and 24, and that would be approximately probably like $80 million. And Texas and Oklahoma are rich, but $80 million is $80 million, right? So we'll have to see whether they're interested in kind of pulling that together. The gamble that I believe that they're making right now is saying, Listen, we're going to we're going to throw out into the world that we're leaving. We have a destination. This is not going to continue. The cash cow is over. You know, 
other eight schools scramble. And if the other eight schools do scramble and the Big 12 kind of dissipates and everybody moves on and, and finds a destination, well, then Texas and Oklahoma, along with all these other schools, might get out of having to pay th- fines at all. That's one of the reasons why Bob Bowlesby, the commissioner of the Big 12, is preaching for teams to stay together. Because if these eight schools stay together, even just through 2024, well, that means that Texas and Oklahoma have to pay them big bucks and, and that's potentially a big windfall from them. So... It'll be it'll be really interesting, I think, to see how that all happens. But uh, but certainly at this point, uh, we have not heard that any other team is going to make anything official. I mean, even even they could make it official and still wait until twenty twenty five and and still maintain in this eight and get this money from Texas and Oklahoma. But Texas and Oklahoma will certainly be looking for a way, I'm sure, to get out of this contract early. So, what are the details on how the Longhorn Network will be handled? That's from Philip Badeau. Great question. So what we've heard so far is that the Longhorn Network is likely going to be folded in to the SEC Network. Obviously, the Longhorn Network, they're contracted through 2031 for a lot of money, but that's one reason why the SEC, as opposed to the Big Ten, who has a Fox contract, to maybe the Pac-12, who has some mixed contracts, that's one reason why the SEC or ACC is very attractive, is because you can just kind of fold in what you've got. And so most likely the offices in Austin that are used for the Longhorn Network would be used for the, the SEC Network instead, maybe as like sort of a, a Western division. Because the SEC offices, uh, or sorry, the SEC Network offices rather, are in Charlotte, North Carolina, all the way across the country from the LSUs, the Texas A&Ms, the Arkansas. So adding offices down in, uh, in, in studio space also down in Austin is probably going to be a big deal for them and kind of allow them to really cover those schools uh, a little bit better. We're going to take a quick break, and I'll be right back with you after this. Welcome back to the Republic of Football podcast. I'm Shahan Jayaraja. Let's keep going. This one from Dean Straka. Lots of factors that could play into this, but what tier, overall success, value, national standing, etc., do TCU, Baylor, and Texas Tech athletic departments fall into, say, 10 years from now? That That's a tough question, right? I, I think that that's going to depend so much on what the Big 12 does, what these schools do. One thing I've heard a lot specifically from Texas Tech people is that they don't really have interest in an expanded Big 12. They want to go to the Pac-12. But that's the question, right? Is the Pac-12 interested in that? For for Texas Tech, for Baylor, for TCU, for Oklahoma State, even for Kansas State, Iowa State, Kansas, whoever else, is that worth it for them? Are they going to add value based off of that? And You know, the Pac-12 has been in a relatively precarious financial situation for a while at this point. So what does that mean? You know, I I think that if I'm looking now, I would say that my most likely scenario, sitting here again today on Tuesday, July 27th at 12.01 p.m., uh, I would say that I think that they are probably going to merge with the American Athletic Conference and try to bring up the value of the Big 12 uh, and, and probably settle somewhere for for reference, right? Last year, the schools received a $38 million payout. I think that they're probably going to try to settle somewhere in like the $25 million range from this new Big 12. Because listen, we, we can't sit here and lie to ourselves. Obviously, Texas and Oklahoma drove a lot of the value of those leagues. Now, we can get into my frustrations with how the sport is marketed and how it really props up the big brands because they're sort of known TV draws as at the expense of the rest of the inventory, just look at the tremendous football that's being ignored in the American Athletic Conference for for evidence. But I do think that ending up in that kind of position 
allows you to still be a relevant conference, allows you to still be one of the six conference champions who makes the college football playoff every year. And and I think that's a place that you feel okay about, right? And that's one of the things, too, is that it's really less about the money. It's really more about perception, that's what it comes down to. It's not that, okay, cool, Texas and Oklahoma are going to make more money in the SEC. That's that's not really what it's about. It's, it's what it's about. Like, <laughs> money talks. People have to pay their mortgages, and, and you can't pay mortgages with exposure. But at the same time, it really is as much about what the money does for them. It's about how recruits see the money. It's about how investors see the money. It's about how television networks see the money. And when you have that brand power, it really just lets you be in a different kind of place, uh, which which I think is is certainly what these three schools should be looking for long term is what is the place that's going to put us in the best position to be competitive? Because listen, all, all due respect, Baylor, TCU, Texas Tech, were not going to make the college football playoff anytime soon, or at least if they did, they probably weren't going to compete for a championship. I think 2014 was Baylor and TCU's chance, and unfortunately, it didn't happen. And so... Heading forward, I don't think that this has to change their trajectory dramatically, right? They can still be these great programs, just probably with a little bit more money than they had before. Okay, next question. How does this impact Texas college football? Is there a way for SMU and Houston to potentially rise as a result of this? I think that's a really interesting question. So for me, the first thing that I have to look at, right, what is the Big 12 going to do? We mentioned a little bit in the last segment, but... If the Big 12 decides to expand, Houston has to be your first call, right? It's a big state school, growing population, great market, uh, and a fan base that in the Southwest Conference was very engaged. It is a tragedy to me that they are not in the Big 12 Conference now. I know that I'm preaching to the choir of Houston fans on this, and I understand the reasons why Baylor, Texas Tech, TCU, even Texas, even Oklahoma, even Oklahoma State wouldn't want Houston to be elevated to a Power 5 program, but... At this point, you just need bodies. You just need teams that can compete at the highest level, raise the credibility of your league. Houston and SMU are teams that have shown that they can do that. And so for me, I think that that's an obvious decision for the Big 12 to make. But listen, I think that we have to say, outside of for Texas, which this is probably going to help Texas, this is a bad thing for Texas college football overall. The value of the product of Texas college football, of former Power 5 football, of everybody else, I I think it's devalued with Texas going to the SEC. All of a sudden now, the focus is going to be on this conference that, first of all, is situated really outside of the state, uh, but also it's just college football's attention is about to leave the state in a lot of ways. We're not going to see Baylor and TCU and Texas Tech and even, again, Oklahoma coming down to the Cotton Bowl being as as much of a Texas event as it has been historically. And one part of that, too, is I think that we're going to see more of the top Texas kids leave the state because Texas A&M going to the SEC really made it palatable for a lot of them to look at other SEC schools. And now I think Texas and Oklahoma playing SEC schedules makes that even more palatable because you know that you're going to have a chance to potentially come back and play home games in Austin or in, in College Station or whatever. And so I don't know. I I hope that this doesn't just kind of spell doom for the other 10 teams that aren't in the SEC in this state because I think that it's no secret that I love what the state is from a depth perspective. But again, it's hard for me to not see this as a huge blow long-term to what these other 10 schools are going to be. Why did Texas want to leave? You know, I probably should have gotten into this at the beginning, right? So 
There's a lot of factors, certainly. One is the money. Never ignore the money. If, if you can get more money, you're probably going to get more money. The other thing, too, is I think that Texas looked at what Texas A&M was doing in the SEC. And look, we can be frank. Over the last 10 years, since leaving the Big 12, Texas A&M has surpassed Texas in almost every way on the field. Right? Like, this has been the worst decade of, of Texas football in forever. And this has been one of the best decades of Texas A&M football since the 1930s, right? Like, that's what we're talking with this. And so, I mean, the 90s obviously were a great time for Texas A&M as well. But, like, this has been a very special period of Texas A&M football. And so, I think that if you're Texas, you're looking at that and you're like, why is this happening? Why, why is that school that, just to use their word, it was little brother to us, why are they thriving right now? And more importantly, how can we get that for me? And so I think for them, that that was a huge draw was we want to be aligned with the biggest powers in the sport. We want to be on the primetime games. We want everybody to look at us. We want to be part of these conversations. And the other thing, too, for both Texas and Oklahoma is heading forward. College football has been defined in a lot of ways by the SEC. And I think heading forward even more so, the, I think the SEC is going to have a bigger role in television contracts. I think the SEC is going to have a bigger role in playoff expansion. I think when all of these sort of things happen, right, like the reason that uh, a big part of the reason that we're expanding the number of at-large spots and the reason that we're going not from not to eight, but to 12 is to clear up at-large spots for the Southeastern Conference because they felt like, OK, well, there will only be two. Maybe we get both. Maybe we don't. Well, now. Three or four SEC teams every single year can make the college football playoff if this 12-team playoff comes into effect. And that's still, again, the playoff is still good for the other conferences, but it's going to matter. It's just going to mean more, as they say, in the SEC. And it's hard to argue that right now. So, you know, for Texas, again, money, recruiting, and just power and proximity to power as well, I think, really played into this decision. Another question, will this hurt Texas A&M? It's early to say, but it's hard to think that it won't. Uh, what That's one reason that I think this 2021 season is going to be critical for Texas A&M to make a case for the playoff, to compete for an SEC championship, because you do have a 10-year head start on Texas of building up a productive, high-quality program. You've got a coach in Jimbo Fisher who, at minimum, is certainly more proven than what Steve Sarkeesian has been at Texas. And so you do have a head start. You do have some advantages. You do have a roster right now that's in a just a completely different place than where Texas is. But long term, you know, the, being able to pitch that you are the one SEC team in the state of Texas has been a huge part of Texas A&M's identity. And that part of things will go away. I mean, it's it's hard to envision it not going away. So um, there there's still plenty to sell. I'm not acting like it's doom and gloom or that Texas A&M isn't going to be a top 10 team heading forward and that Jimbo Fisher can't be super successful and that they can't compete for a national title. They're going to do all of those things. But Texas and Oklahoma coming to the SEC, I, I think just isn't a, a little bit of a, not a roadblock, but it's, it's like a rumble strip, right? You're going to feel it. Hopefully you just kind of go by it and it's nothing, but it's going to be there, I think. So... Last sort of thoughts on all this. Listen, this has all come together really quickly. I don't think that anybody, including the people in the room in the SEC at Texas, at Oklahoma, expected this to move as quickly as it did. When the source leaked it to Brent, Brent Swerneman over at the Houston Chronicle that this was in the works, it sped everything up, right? So maybe this isn't a conversation we're having until next year, and maybe it's way more palatable to get out of the grant of rights on time 
if this is happening next year or the year after instead of right now. Because this has been in the works for 6 to 12 months. This was not necessarily supposed to get out right now. But we are in a spot right now that by the end of the week, Texas and Oklahoma could be announced as future members of the Southeastern Conference. So this has careened out of control in a lot of ways. Uh, Now, the other side that we'll say too, right, getting to cover games at Texas and Texas A&M, I mean, they are going to host really premium matchups for the first time in a long time, right? Like, all respect to everybody else, hosting Kansas State at Texas does not put season ticket holders in seats like hosting Alabama will or like hosting Georgia will, or like hosting LSU will, or that hosting Florida will. It's just different, right? And so I think that that's going to be one thing that's going to be a real benefit long-term for the state, is we will get more quality matchups in this state in a lot of ways. So that's something to look forward to. Certainly for Texas and Texas A&M, you think, okay, maybe this helps them become national title contenders longer term. We haven't had a national champion from the state of Texas at the FBS level since 2005 when Texas, uh, you know, when Vince Young ran to the corner of the end zone. And before that, it had been a, gosh, a long time before that, right? Like 30 something years before that, since we had a, a national champion from the state of Texas. So that is one part. Can this hopefully bring back national championship football to Texas? That that would be a huge deal. And we saw earlier this year with Sam Houston, we have talent in the state of Texas at every level that is good enough to win national championships. Can Texas and Texas and keep some of the, that talent home and compete for national championships? I think that's certainly going to be something that we'll get to see heading forward. And look, I mean, we still have a football season to play, too. Texas and Oklahoma have at least one more football season in the Big 12, if not more, right? So there's going to be a lot of opportunities for Baylor and TCU and Texas Tech and Oklahoma State and Iowa State and everybody else to give their parting shots to Texas and Oklahoma before they head out. And the other thing, too, is Baylor and TCU and Texas Tech are three of the best athletic programs in the country. They, top to bottom, have been highly competitive. Baylor, you're obviously talking about them winning national championships in men's and women's basketball in the last couple of years. With Texas Tech, you have national-level track, right? Like, you had a basketball team that was in the Final Four and in the national championship game. Same with TCU. I mean, you've got a baseball team that's up there with anybody. And all these teams also have very good football teams that I think would be real value to whoever, you know, whichever league they end up in, whether it's the Pac-12 or a revamped Big 12 or the AAC or Conference USA or the American or anything, right? Like, it doesn't matter. I, I think that all three of these athletic departments are going to be in a good spot but certainly from a football perspective from competing at the highest level who knows I mean I think that it is very disappointing to me to see even more coalescing at the top even more disparity coming about even more gap because some of the best games that I've had the opportunity to cover were not per se meaningful right like getting to watch I don't know, Sam Houston versus Stephen F. Austin, getting to watch UTSA Texas State, right? Like, these are the games that that excite me, and I hope that we still are able to, as a national sort of media, pay attention to those games and pay attention to those stories and pay attention to those moments in a way that I don't think we've done a good job of doing big picture over the last couple of decades. So, 
anyway, that's going to do it for me. If you have any other questions, at Shahan Jayaraja on Twitter, Shahan.Jayaraja at TexasFootball.com. Email me. Uh, you can find me on uh, all of my work at TexasFootball.com. You can find us on Facebook, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. You can find us on Twitter at DCTFCFB. Become a subscriber, TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. We're going to have so much content over the next couple of days over at TexasFootball.com. Much of it will be for subscribers, so make sure and become a subscriber, TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. It is worth it. I promise you. Thank you so much to everybody for joining us, and I will be back with you guys again, hopefully with Hish and Mallory back with me as well next week.